for Jesus. It had already been a long, hot day in the Galilean sun. He and his disciples had sailed to the other side of Lake Tiberias, and they were busy stowing away their gear at the docks when a crowd began to form. Word had leaked out again about Jesus. He was a miracle worker. He was a man of wonders. He was a healer. Crowds began to form. And so Jesus went up the mountainside, and he looked down on the multitude, now numbering 5,000 men strong, plus their wives and children. So vast was the number that when Jesus suggested the disciples ought to buy something to feed the crowds, Philip responded it would take at least a half year's salary to buy enough bread just for each of them to have one small bite. And so the stage is now set for one of Jesus' most memorable miracles. In fact, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. But only John records the aftermath. Only John has this final discourse where Jesus explains the meaning of the miracle. I am the bread of life, Jesus says in John 6:35. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Only John's gospel records those words. And John's gospel is unique in another way, because John doesn't refer to the miracles of Jesus as miracles. Instead, he calls them signs. Now, why is that important? Jesus' reputation as a miracle worker was spreading rapidly all through the region. People thought they'd found Aladdin's lamp, that if somehow they rubbed it the right way, the genie popped out and they could get him to do what they wanted. They never questioned his power. That was obvious. But they were absolutely in the dark about Jesus' purpose and about his plan. So John calls these signs. Signs point to something else. The purpose of the miracles wasn't to dazzle. It was to define. Who is this man? Why is he here? Contrary to all their expectations, his purpose wasn't political. His purpose was redemptive. It wasn't just physical, it was spiritual. He hadn't come just to satisfy bodies. He came to satisfy souls. I am the bread of life, he said. But what did he mean? As you try repeating those words, let me suggest you try emphasizing three different places in the phrase. First, the object. I am the bread of life. And then the adjective. I am the bread of life. And then finally, the subject and the verb. I am the bread of life. And as you turn those words over in your minds, let me say a word or two about each of them. First, I am the bread, he said. What does that mean? Well, for ancient people, bread meant more than it was, more than it does just to us. People people didn't have meat ordinarily. Meat was a luxury. Bread was the heart of the meal. And so it came to symbolize life itself. That's why Jesus could pray, give us this day our daily bread. And we understand he's talking about more than just a loaf of Dempsters. We know that bread means everything we need for life, those things that keep us on our feet. I am the bread of life. Maybe people in the crowd were thinking back to the days when God had fed his people with manna from heaven. Maybe they were thinking ahead to the Passover bread. The great celebration was just a mere matter of days away. But what they didn't know was that the new Passover 
the new exodus was taking place right there in front of them and that Jesus was leading it. Maybe some of them were even thinking about those grand days of high worship in the temple when the priests would take 12 fresh-baked loaves of shrewbread and place them on the altar before God, and later they'd enjoy eating it together. Now, these days, somebody asks you out to eat. It's a nice social thing. But in those days, breaking bread, that was a formal way of saying, I want us to be together. I want us to be like kin. If I bring you into my home, if I break bread with you, that means we're together. The way that you ratified a covenant, the way that you made a truce between two parties, the way that you showed the world and showed each other that we're friends now, we're no longer enemies, you broke bread together. What is it that we do when we gather around the table to celebrate the Lord's Supper? We break bread together. It signifies far more than just physical satisfaction, not just the source of our physical strength. It points us back to a covenant, to that promise that tethers us to God. It represents oneness. It means peace. It reminds us of relationship. Breaking bread with God means not simply that he's your king, but that he's the friend of your heart and he's the source of deepest satisfaction. I am the bread of life. And then turn it over in your, in your mind again and think about the adjective. Because Jesus doesn't just say, I'm the bread. He says, I'm the bread of life. What's he getting at? Well, he tells you in verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. The bread he's talking about, the bread of life, is eternal life. That's what the whole book of John is about. Through Jesus, you have eternal life. But what is that? And here's where we get really hung up. I think we tend to think of eternal life just as extended life. It's, it's life as we know it, just stretched out longer. But it's more than that. It's a quality of life. There's two Greek words that are sometimes used to refer to life. One is the word bios, biosphere, we know. It means physical life. Maybe we should say just existence, what it means to exist. But the other Greek word, zoe, zoe refers not just to existence, but to a quality of life. What's the difference between existing and living? Well, there's a big difference. Most of us are trying to live, not just exist. When life is going well, we say that's really living. And what Jesus says here literally is, it's eternal Zoe that I'm giving to you, not eternal bios. Because you know, if it's just just simply eternal existence, that's nothing really to write home about. Lots of us feel like we're just existing these days, don't we? We're, We're quarantined, we're isolated, we're filled with worry. Imagine stretching that out forever so that all your fears and anxieties, all your frustrations, all the emptiness, everything that you are right now, imagine imagine that going on forever. Is that exciting? We have a word for that in the Bible. It's called hell. Eternal existence is hell. But eternal life is a quality of life. It's what you do to move just from mere existence to really living. It means purpose in life. It means energy. It means joy. It means fulfillment and satisfaction. 
So first of all, eternal life is about quality, quality of life. But secondly, it's a quality of life that starts now. And again, when you when you hear the phrase eternal life, usually we think, oh, that means when I die, I go to the afterlife to be with God. And yeah, it, it means that, but it means more than that. It's not just that. It does go on forever, but it starts now. How do we know? Verse 35, which really is the key verse. Jesus says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, I know there's a deeper hunger. It's a hunger for what can move you from merely existing to really living. And people look to all kinds of things to help them make that move. There's a hunger there for real life. But if you're looking just to things, in fact, if you're looking to anything other than him, it will spoil. I am the bread of life. But that leads to the third point, and it's what's really so remarkable about these words of Jesus. Not only that eternal life is a quality of life, and not just that it can start now, but that it's not something that Jesus gives It's something that he is. Jesus doesn't say, I have the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. To be clear, other religious leaders or gurus or teachers or founders will say, I can tell you where the bread is. I can show you how to find it. I can give you a map to the better life. If somebody comes to me and says, I have the bread of life, you say, okay, tell me where it is. Tell me what I have to do. But if they say, I am the bread of life, If you have me, you have eternal life, Zoe, abundant life. You don't have to go searching for it. You don't have to spend your whole life trying to achieve it and fearing you'll lose it. That's what it is. That's something altogether different. In the Bible, we have a word for it. And the word is grace. What must we do to do the works of God? The people ask Jesus in verse 28. Listen to his answer. The work of God is simply this, to believe in the one who he has sent. What the world needs now, this Easter more than ever, this season of the year and this this adverse time in the life of our world where people are fighting for their mere existence, what we need most is the promise of life, life that's meaningful and purposeful and joyful and eternal. In a word, what we need is grace. And it's really only one name away. Can I leave you with this thought? In your panic-filled moments, in your lonely, sleepless nights, will you whisper a name with me? Jesus. Jesus. And I hope you'll join us tomorrow morning as we gather at 11 o'clock a.m. Good Friday to reflect on another one of Jesus' stunning I Am statements and then break bread together. I'll be with you. God bless you. Be well.